Welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. And hi, Phil, how are you? Very good, Andrew, and a happy new year to you and the sports and sunny weather back with you from Canada. It's beautiful. Well, it wasn't that sunny in Canada, actually, and I'll talk about that in a second. But obviously, we haven't actually done a podcast now for nearly a month because of Christmas and, and me being in Vancouver. So uh, happy new year to all the listeners. I hope you all had a good Christmas. I hope you've all come back and uh, are hoping to make lots of money in 2022. Um, obviously, 2021 was started off brilliantly and ended up rather tough. Uh, so fingers crossed for 2022. But uh, as you mentioned here, yeah, I spent the first week of January in Canada, in Vancouver, um, because I thought everything would be pretty quiet in the city. So why not go and do some business out there? Now, I was visiting a lot of mining companies, but I did visit two uh, tech and transitional energy companies. So the first that I visited was Invinity Energy Systems, who obviously have a facility in Vancouver where they make the stacks. And I spent quite a lot of time with the management, uh, Larry Zulch and Matt Harper, uh, out there discussing a lot of things and basically going through what the plan was to take the share price from today at 92p to hopefully two pounds at the end of June. Now, most of that discussion I can't talk about on this uh, podcast, um, but that is the sort of plan. Uh, and it's a plan we set, obviously, regardless of where markets go, because you can't bank on markets. Um, let's see if we can deliver it is the answer. But I mean, I think what we do know is that um, it's a make or break year for Invinity Energy Systems. Um, you know, they've, they've been nearly there, nearly there for quite a bit of time. This is the year they've got to deliver. And the first thing they need to do, which I hope they will, is obviously come through with a whole bunch of new orders so that you can see the, the order book building up. Uh, but that's a quick summary on that. Any other questions you'd ask me, Phil, on that that I can maybe answer? Well, I, I don't think so. Let me just remind listeners that Infinity Energy Systems is a client of ours and they have uh, battery storage uh, technology. Um, and that's used as uh, backup for, uh, for, for, for for grid generation. They involves a big Oxford project, which is for EV charging, and their batteries work alongside lithium batteries. So they've got flow batteries. So it's a lot going on there, and a very, very uh, active market um, that, they're, that they're aiming for, real high-growth market. Yeah, it's, it, the market is called LDES, which is long-duration energy storage. And, we, we, you know, there obviously there are other... Um, technologies out there. We've just seen Goldman Sachs put $250 million into a Canadian company called Hydrostore, which uses basically com hydrogen, compressed hydrogen to store energy. Uh, it, it's for a different function, really, uh, to vanadium flow batteries, but um, the whole LDES space um, is gathering pace very rapidly. Now, the other company I saw whilst I was out there is a company called Nano One, um, which Basically, um, it creates a more efficient cathode than you currently have, and it can work with pretty much any battery at all. Um, it did. It has numerous partnerships with numerous uh, bath, uh, uh, battery companies all around the world. Has to keep a lot of them sensitive, but it's what I would call the arm of cathodes. Um, and it's fascinating. I mean, if people want to know more about Nano One, probably ask me directly or um, contact the company. They've got quite a good website that explains a lot of it. But it is a little bit of a science project. You have to understand a little bit of chemistry. Uh, the guy who runs it, Dan Blondahl, is an absolute expert on the whole battery market. Um, fascinating guy. I spent about six hours with him in Canada. 
um, really did test some of my chemistry knowledge from university. Uh, has to be said. Um, it's been, look, it's been a pretty successful stock, to be honest. It's going well. Um, but uh, yeah, look, a fascinating company. I would love them to dual list. They did have a partnership with uh, Johnson Matty because obviously they were uh, developing the ELON battery. Unfortunately, as we know Johnson Matty announced a couple of months ago uh, that they were going to pull out of that battery uh, manufacturing capability because they'd spent $140 million and probably could see they're going to have to spend another couple of hundred million dollars or something that wasn't really getting any traction. Today, they have announced also that unfortunately nobody wants to buy that division. So they're basically going to do an asset sale, which is rather disappointing for Nano One um, because I don't think they'll get much in the asset sale either. Uh, so it's rather disappointing for Johnson Massey as well, which has been absolutely smacked as a stock. I think what investors now should bear in mind, I think if, if you remember when we started doing this podcast, we were quite critical about Johnson Massey, partially because we thought ELNO, ELON wouldn't work. Um, we did then turn slightly more positive, um, partially because Nano One did a partnership with them, and I think that gave them a much more bigger opportunity. Um, I think down at this level, you know, it's um, down at sort of sub 20 pounds. Uh, <coughs> my own feeling is it's probably a stock worth looking at because they're involved in a lot of other things like hydrogen. And obviously, of course, they're still involved in, in the, all the sort of catalytic converter metals and that sort of thing. There's more to more Johnson Matter than just um, batteries. Obviously, there has been a bit of a shake up of the management as well. So you've got to bear that in mind. But it's certainly one that I would be looking at at the moment. I think it's in quite an interesting flux position. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, that sounds very interesting. I mean, I don't and unrelated to Johnson Matthew, I don't know if you've seen Andrew, but uh, a lot of the global automakers have been reporting their results, particularly the European, uh, you know, European makers. And we've got there were three of the global top ten in there: Mercedes-Benz, VW, and BMW. Um, and there's some kind of some interesting figures coming out of there. And so Mercedes-Benz. Um, we're saying that in 2021 that their sales have declined 5%. And part of that reflected kind of global chip shortages. And again, you know, this year we're going to be looking at the supply chain and, and watching out for changes in the supply chain. Hopefully things like this easing. But the VW reported um, that they had seen, they, they'd suffered a drop of 8% in sales. And again, you know, they were being affected by some of the supply chain issues. But they said uh vw and there we know they're investing very heavily in, in uh battery technologies and evs that um, their sales of evs and hybrid vehicles nearly doubled to seven and a half percent of their global sales bmw on the other hand has actually seen its sales rise by eight percent in 2021 um but again they 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 pointed to a doubling of their electric car sales so you know, we've been discussing this so much, the sort of, you know, the transition um, to electrification and transport. And here you can now see it really is gaining momentum for some of the major makers. Well, I mean, again, it doesn't come as a surprise to us, does it? So, um... <laughs> no, indeed. And that's why, yeah, exactly why we've been covering it. Yeah. Now, there's been quite a lot of news out in the last couple of days, actually. Um, we might just touch base on some of them. Uh -huh. Um I noticed today, uh, actually we started one which is quite a little bit of a favourite of mine, um, which is Tecmar. Uh, it was one of our picks and shovels stocks, um, but they just uh, won a big contract actually out, out of uh, the Middle East, didn't they? Um, but it's a $10 million contract, I think, um, which uh, is definitely uh, good news. I mean, it's got a, a new management in there, but you know, they've been there for a little while now. 
um, but they do appear to be doing all the right things. And if they are doing all the right things, then I think the stocks looks pretty interesting. And I don't know if you've got any comment there, Phil. Yeah, I mean, they take all the, the cable protection systems for subsea structures for securing them. Um, you know, for things like uh, I think involved in, in wind power, interconnector cables for power. So it's a good, you know, it's a good area to be to be involved in. And I mean, what struck me is it, it's a, it, you know, it's a smaller company. It's been around for a long time, but clearly it's got, you know, good market reputation in the, the sector it's in and, uh, and is able to. I was impressed that they, they won this business. Well done them. Yeah, and we, we've spoken to them a few times, haven't we? Sadly, we're on Zoom, but we have talked about going visiting them. Uh, I mean, the stock's up a little bit today. It's up 5 6% um, to 54p. But, you know, think back a couple of years ago, they were trading at 175p. So there's plenty of upside to go there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the other one, uh, another one today that had uh, news, which actually rather intrigued me, uh, was Ceres Power. They put a trading up today and also a joint venture update today. Um, I think the the revenue and operating line was expected to be in line with previous guidance, so uh, that was all sort of there. And they went on to sort of about why WeChai, uh, Chai rather, and and their their partner in China um, was the relationship was still going fine, sort of thing, progressing positively. Look forward to providing further update, et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, it was sort of why are you telling us this sort of thing? Was the question I was asking myself as I read it. I thought it didn't really sort of. Is there a worry about the JV that maybe it isn't going fine? So I thought that rather led to a few questions, should we say. Stock's off about 10p today. Um, it may be that I'm just reading far too much into it, but um, worth pointing out. I may well be, but that, yeah, it's just one of those things when companies do mention um, something quite specifically, you're always asking yourself, well, why are they talking about this? Um, so I can I can kind of kind of understand that, and they've said we look forward to providing a further update to the market as soon as we are able to on the strategic relationships. So mm. let us wait and uh, wait and see on that one. Now, one that actually was, um, and we again one we talked about quite a lot, but actually had very positive news today uh, was IP Group, where they put out a pre-close trading statement and said that they expected profit to be basically above. Um, expectations and also the NAV per share is anticipated to be above 165p um, which uh, with the stock trading where it is at the moment about 115 or something um, it is up five percent uh, to my view leaves it at a massive discount to NAV and yet the NAV is growing as well uh, I think the stock is way too cheap um, it has Traded around 140p, 145p, um, relatively recently. Actually, even maybe harder. I think it touched base almost about 160. Um, but of course, it peaked um, during the Woodford era at around 250. I'm not saying it's going to go back to that level, but I certainly think that uh, from here there is plenty of upsides. So IP Group, in my view, is a buy. I'll be absolutely honest. I do own some myself in my SIP. Aha. Uh -huh. Well. I was having a closer look at this one as well today, Andrew, and I'm off to say I'm with you on that discount uh, in terms of valuation. But I think investors need to know as well, there's been quite a bit going on in the company um, in terms of the, so I was just looking kind of when it peaked at September 10th, that Imperial College, who were one of the original founder investors, they they were 
They've been selling down their holding. That's been picked up by very large institutions. That's had a little bit of an impact. Um, they announced on the end of September that they made 84 million pounds from the Oxford Nanopore uh, IPO, which sure as hell validates their business model. But on the 6th of October, um, they stated that uh, Alan Aubrey, the CEO of Mike Townsend, were finally retiring and stepping down. So there's a bit of a board change there. They announced the share buyback program, which they've been doing very reactively. So, so well, this sort of background stuff is masking, you know, what you're actually saying is look at those trading results today. Um, and they are, yeah, they're very strong. And these things are trading at a discount. So there we are. And in my view, I mean, there's a, there's a collection of these, what I describe as uh, relatively early stage technology groups. So there's obviously IP group is very well known. Draper Esprit is very well known. Um, and, and they are very attractive ways of getting a broad range of early stage IT or biotech and all this sort of stuff into a pension fund or something. Uh, it's a lot safer than one direct investment. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got the potential of getting, you know, a, a unicorn. And, and talking of which, Phil, you should just talk through one of our corporate stocks, Frontier IP, on that note. Yeah, I will. So, uh, yeah, Frontier IP Group, uh, the ticker is FIPP. The market cap is about £54 million pounds and the share price is now 98.5p. Um, and we, this is one we cover in research. Uh, what they do, they provide commercialization services uh, in return for, for, for shares in private technology companies so they work with these uh, early stage companies they help them to build their customer bases they help them give them advice on getting experts in to develop their technology but basically bringing you know commercializing the products and a lot of these companies are university spin-outs uk university works on the uk main uk universities involved in ai robotics pathogens food tech number of areas anyway they had an interim uh, trading update um, and what we've seen with Frontier IP was in uh, 2021 that their um, that the value of their equity stakes increased by 64%. And a, a driver of this one was uh, a very early stage holding theirs in a company called Excientia. Um, and Excientia has developed AI for drug discovery, and it's being used by the you know the global farmers, and it IPO'd. Um, on Nasdaq, um, so they've seen a significant uplift in, in investment from that. But it, it, you know, it IPO'd on a valuation of I think a couple of billion dollars. So you know, this was originally a spin out from Dundee University. So it just shows you know what can be achieved. But they had a yeah good trading update for their interims. Um, they're reporting a NAV. Uh, last reported NAV was uh, just under 70p. So they're on a NAV. They're trading on a premium. But we could see how you know their model. You know, versus IP group, probably they're in an earlier stage in IP group, so you would expect it, you know, maybe a stronger uplift, but uh, but good set of results from them. Yeah, and actually, uh, uh, we are just in the process of floating an even earlier stage sort of portfolio company called Superseed uh, Capital, which has a, um, a very intriguing deal with British Business Bank that basically gives you financial gearing to investors. It's like getting the equivalent of EIS. Uh, so you, you you get a much significantly enhanced return on your capital, uh, and they are very early stage sort of um, AI business uh, companies, aren't they? I don't know. We're we're doing it at the moment. We're due to close the book about this time next week. Um, it's quite small to start with. We just want to get it going. 
Um, but if anybody listening has any interest in that, then do give us a shout. We can probably um, facilitate your interest, shall we say, although um, just be aware that it has to be for professional investors only. Uh, but you can sign up with us as a professional investor because we are not producing a prospectus, we're simply doing an admission document. Um, and so you can't just distribute to retail openly. Don't know if you've got any comments on Superseed, Phil. Um, well, the great super management team, very experienced, very used to dealing with uh, early stage tech, focused on um, its UK, uh, early stage tech, its seed investments. Um, I think, you know, it's look, it's it, it's an exciting area to be in. There's a lot of investment going to the UK and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of good companies coming out. And um, we've seen with Frontier IP Group, some of their holdings, we've seen that with with, with IP Group and a number of their holdings and great successes. Um, these fantastic tech companies have to start somewhere. And this is where seed investment is so important. It's what the guys at Superseed do. Yeah, and you can get much higher returns, and they're obviously making investments you couldn't make as the, as the general public. Uh, but look, let's be clear, there won't be more liquidity in it. Uh, it's one of those stocks you buy and you sit on for at least five years in your pension fund, and hopefully, um, you know, it goes up three, four, five, six times. Uh, get a, a unicorn, it goes up ten times. Um, anyway, moving on, I'll tell you what I, I noticed again today. There was a lot of news today. Um, but that rather intrigued me, which was a, a statement out of Hydrogen One. I don't know if you saw that. It recently IPO'd uh, as a fund to sort of invest in hydrogen companies. They raised just over £100 million. Um, but they put out a, uh, an announcement today, just sort of updating the market. It actually said they wanted to um, raise a lot more money already um, because they've seen such a huge pipeline and they've identified an investable universe of over £17 billion in private hydrogen assets, in operational companies and hydrogen projects. That's a huge um, sort of size of market for investment that they're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's <laughs> that is quite stunning. Um, I mean, we've been, you know, sort of tracking announcements um, in, in the area and you can see increasingly the bigger, yeah, you know, the bigger oil players are getting involved in this and the chemical companies, but it shows how this market is taking off. Good Lord. That's interesting. 200 private hydrogen asset opportunities identified compared to 120 at the time of IPO. Fascinating. Yeah. It, it is, uh, yeah, it is quite fascinating, actually. So uh, anyway, there we go. Um, anything else you've seen, Phil? Yeah, well, we have been, as you say, a lot of trading updates coming out. Um, one that uh, our, you know investors may have got involved in the IPO is uh, Dark Trace. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, cybersecurity company. Um, ticker is DARK, uh, three billion market cap. Uh, they've had a trading update. Um, look, it is it is cybersecurity. Um, it's trading on a you know an EV revenue multiple of about nine times for this year, and that's falling to seven times. Uh, next year, these things don't come cheap. Uh, it, look, it's AI for cyber. It's highly, highly specialized technologies. Um, but they, yeah, they had uh, a first half uh, trading update, and they said uh, that their customer base, all important, had grown by just under forty percent year on year, um, and that their annualized recurring revenue uh, there had grown to about $400 million, year-over-year uh, year growth of 45%. So clearly getting an awful lot of markets uh, 
market traction there, a very, very strong growth. Um, yeah, and it's expecting higher EBITDA margins. So that's quite a, yeah, it's quite a punchy, quite a positive statement uh, coming out of dark, uh, dark trace. Mm. And their shares are, you know, the shares did well from the IPO, then they came off. And so I think they probably ticked up a bit today on this. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Anything else you've seen? Gresham Technologies. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yay. Uh, software company, um, cloud services. Uh, and they uh, Their software is used by primarily, I think, financial services firms, manages things like uh, risk, uh, reconciling accounts, um, compliance. Uh, it's been around for, for quite a long time. So they're used by, uh, I think, this set here, oh, 300 organizations worldwide. There you go. Great little UK software company here. Um, product being used globally, something we always look for. Uh, they had a trading update uh, for year one. Um, they are expecting their revenues up by 48%. Uh, and part of this is saved to 36.8 million. Uh, there's a contribution of 5.4 million from an acquisition made there. So, you, you know, you work that back and it's still a very strong double digit increase in the, the uh, organic revenue from the company. And they're expecting the rebit data to be up by 50%. But again, there'll be an acquisition contribution in there. You just kind of strip that out and you can get the organic growth. And this has got strong organic uh, double digit growth um, in there. So, uh, they're, and they're sat on cash as well, which we always look for. They've got 9 million in cash, got no debt. Uh, now it's 153 million market cap, but. So on the EVNR multiple of 3.4 times and 15.5 times EBITDA, which to my mind is nay too bad if they continue the pace of pace of growth that they're seeing. So and they also said in their trading statement that following strong Q4 performance, overall revenues, earnings and cash are all ahead of market expectations, which is something we always look out for. Uh, yeah, that's good. We also, that was obviously came out on uh, Tuesday, didn't it? Uh, yep. Also on Tuesday, there was a trading statement from Electro Components um, where they said full year profit performance is anticipated to be slightly ahead of consensus estimates. So uh, another piece of good news uh, there in the space. But in general, uh, we also, of course, had this morning uh, the bellwether of the chip industry, which is TSMC or, or Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturers, TSCM rather, sorry. Um, and their Q4 profits were up about 16.5%, uh, which was, again, very positive. So it does appear that the whole sort of sector is um, still going well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're, uh, yeah, it's TSMC, Taiwan Semiconductor Company. Yeah, and they've also said they're upping their um, their CapEx as well, which is always, you know, in the chip industry, you're looking for as a, as a, as a, as a real indicator of what they think is going to happen. And they said... They're expecting their four-year capex this year to be about 40, between 40 and 44 billion dollars versus 30 billion dollars last year. Wow, that, uh, that that's some scale of investment that's going on there. But yeah, Q Q4 revenues up by 24%. I was also looking at the um, you know the Nasdaq's been flatlining over recent months, but one of the biggest uh, share rises last year was uh, was Nvidia. Um, the uh, primarily known for their graphics processors, but of course their processors are used very widely um, for Bitcoin mining, but in data centers, very, very powerful, but uh, NVIDIA. And so, yeah, I mean, the outlook for the chip industry, I think just generally is very good, Andrew. And the electric components results, uh, I mean, I, I thought, I think they've done amazingly well. You look at the, 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 
thousands of products that they supply, global supply issues, and how they've been, electric components have been managing that, been doing, I think they've been doing really well. And that's something, you know, I'll be, we'll be looking out for in terms of news flow this year is what is happening in the supply chain, because it has had quite an influence on um, share prices over this year. And of course, it, you know, uh, contributing to, to inflation as well. So we'll be watching that closely. Well, maybe we should just end on a bit of a, a macro point, because as you say, supply chain issues have been a huge point. In general, the tech industry is moving forward, which is what you expect, because we're still going through quite a sort of revolution. But, you know, we're also now getting these hugely high inflation numbers of sort of, you know, 7% or something, you know. And I don't know if you know, but, you know, since 2008, the uh, in the US, they pr printed 40% more dollars, which actually, if you think about it, is basically a devaluation of your currency by 40%. Um, and one of the things with all of this, you know, pumping out QE and currency everywhere, and now with inflation coming, it's been great for certain assets, such as the big tech companies on NASDAQ, like, you know, Apple, which is now, whatever it is, a $3 trillion company, and all of these big tech that are, are on quite high valuations. And I think one of the big questions everybody's asking is, will big tech, whatever it's called, the, the, the fangs or whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, Will 2022 be the year they come down to earth slightly? Did, yeah, spot on there, Andrew. Um, and, you know, an inflation and if interest rates start to rise, obviously, you know, it, it does impact the way that the technology companies are are valued. Um, and again, yeah, and you're right on those, you know, we'll keep an eye on those multiples as well. So uh, we will see, and I think it's this Friday, US earnings season kicks off. So we've been watching out for the results from the from the big tech, from their outlook, um, and and ultimately in terms of valuations, it's determined by growth rates uh, and what kind of growth that they're you know they're expecting to see. So there'll be well, yeah, and of course you know growth is connected to consumer spending. I mean, for instance, at the moment we're seeing fantastic results in the UK out of the the big retailers, but you know that's last year. This year, with the inflation numbers we're seeing, the energy price increases we're seeing, et cetera, et cetera. So there's going to be a massive squeeze on consumer spending. And therefore, it's just on the cards that consumer products actually may have a much tougher time in 2022, uh, which could hurt some of the more tech-oriented consumer product companies. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, it could indeed. Yeah. So you started the podcast off saying the sun was shining. <laughs> uh, maybe there are a few dark clouds around. I don't think it's going to rain. Um, and look, the French have allowed us back in, so we can all go on our ski holidays again, hopefully. So there's a bit of good news. Uh, <laughs> on that note, unless you've got anything else, Phil, we'll call it a day, shall we? I don't have anything else. We'll call it a day, and I look forward to, <laughs> look forward to next week's podcast. Uh, yeah, and look, if anybody wants us to talk about anything, anybody disagrees with what we've said, then please let us know. Uh, it's, uh, we just trying to give a view we're just trying to help people along trying to give them some ideas trying to help everybody make a bit of money so but feel free to try and correct us or ask us questions phil we'll speak next week very well do take care